I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty. You can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... McKamey Manor. What is McKamey Manor? It's a haunted house experience, though many would insist it doesn't qualify as one, that is created and run by Russ McKamey, in which willing participants are kidnapped and transported into a suburban home that's been transformed into a veritable torture compound. After signing a detailed waiver, they are subjected to abject torture, simulated drownings, physical abuse, forced to eat and drink unknown substances, and ultimately, the goal is to psychologically break them and drive them insane. Thousands of people flock to McKamey Manor for a chance to experience a once-in-a-lifetime attraction. And yet many believe that Russ McKamey is a sadistic maniac operating in legal shades of gray to essentially get away with legal torture for entertainment, and McKamey Manor should be shut down forever. Act 1. That boy's got the devil in him. A massive discussion around the topic of informed consent has opened up in the last 10 years. And while people have generally always been aware and sympathetic to the idea that most things require consent from the people involved, viewing most human interactions through the lens of consent has now permeated our culture, made us more aware of the ways in which we've held blind spots, maybe blinders to it. We've opened up a can of worms on all the ways that consent is violated in society on a daily basis. The awful things done behind closed doors, and sometimes out in the open, in all sectors of civilization against people's will. This discourse has mostly centered around ways that consent is not given. But what about when informed consent is given, but the consenting party is opting into something that most people would find morally reprehensible or possibly dangerous for them? How do we react to that? What's to be done when the consent is given, but you wish it wasn't? In 2001, German computer technician and cannibal fetishist Armin Maywees put up a wanted ad on the Cannibal Cafe, a web forum for cannibalism enthusiasts. He was, quote, looking for a normally built 18 to 25 year old to be slaughtered and then consumed. He wanted someone who was willing to consent to being killed and eaten. He was very clear he was looking for someone who would consent to the act. He didn't want anyone who would have second thoughts. Many responded to the request, but only 43 year old engineer Bernd Jurgen Armando Brandis committed without backing out of the arrangement. In March of 2001, Brandis showed up at Maiwe's house. Maiwe's cut off Brandis's penis, cooked it, and they attempted to eat it together. But the skin was too chewy for them. Maiwe's ultimately fed the rest of it to his dog. Maiwe's then put Brandon in his bathtub. The man was slowly weakening from blood loss, in and out of consciousness. The entire thing was recorded on tape, and Brandis never withdrew his consent once. After many hours of meditation, Maiwe's killed Brandis by stabbing him in the neck, and then proceeded to eat his body slowly over the next 10 months. MyWays put up more ads seeking out additional people to consent to being killed and eaten, but a college student alerted authorities. His house was raided, body parts found, and he was arrested. After standing trial, he was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to eight years in prison. In 2005, a retrial was called, requesting him to be convicted of murder instead. He was, and then sentenced to life in prison. He has since expressed regret over what he did. It's true. There's even an episode of the IT crowd based on it where a German cannibal puts out an ad requesting someone to be killed and eaten. 
The character Moss misunderstands the ad and thinks he's just looking for someone to cook meals together. He goes over to his house and sees that he has a massive big screen TV. He then strings the man along, making him think he'll eventually allow him to eat him after several visits, just so he can keep going over and watching movies on the TV. The premise of the episode plays with the idea that the cannibal is not a killer luring people to his house so he can murder them, but someone who is genuinely seeking the consent of Moss and jumping through hoops to get it. It's not so cut and dry, right? The man who was killed enthusiastically gave consent and never withdrew it, and yet the act he consented to feels like an act of murder by most reasonable people. Maybe both men were severely mentally ill. Maybe Brandis was extremely depressed and suicidal and wasn't in the right mind to give consent. Maybe, despite the consent, the event would act as a gateway to Maiwe's taste for human flesh and he'd eventually get desperate and start killing people without their consent. All incredibly rational and valid concerns. And yet it was still there. Nobody was being forced to do anything they didn't want to do. McKamey Manor, a small haunted house experience, though many would say it's definitively not a haunted house experience at all, that was started in San Diego, California sometime in the late 90s by its creator Russ McKamey, lives in that gray area of informed consent for generally awful things that don't sit right with people. It has sat in an existential purgatory for the last decade because of it. The topic of discussion, Russ McKamey, doesn't share much information about himself publicly. We know from his Facebook page that he's from Fullerton, California. A story he tells in nearly every interview he does is about how he fell in love with haunted houses as a child. His father would take him trick-or-treating in the Fullerton area, and a few of the houses had transformed their garages into a spooky maze or set up tunnels made out of cardboard boxes with people dressed up in costumes waiting inside to scare you. He says he realized one thing then and there. He wanted to run a haunt of his own someday. thousand years. I mean, I've been doing haunts ever since I was six, seven years old. I got hooked on it when my dad would take me out to just trick-or-treating and whatever, and people would have these cool things like cardboard boxes. I remember distinctly that this one house had a cardboard box tunnel maze set up, and I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. Mm. So from then, I was like, Dad, I got to go see more of this stuff. And so then he'd take me to other houses that did something above and beyond, mm. and then I was hooked on it. And then when I was just a little guy, I was doing little haunts in the garage. And so, and it was always called McKinney Manor. So it's always been never that changed. name, never changed. I thought, well, you know, McKamey, I like that. That's my name yeah. and uh, Manor, that works. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's called McKamey Manor. Cause I'm a simple guy, I'm a simple yeah. man. So you gotta keep things, you know, easy for me. Otherwise right. I'll get confused, right? So <laughs> McKamey Manor, it works real well. Yeah, I'm just an easy guy. I'm just an easy guy. I just like fucking torturing people. I'm just like an easy guy, you know? I'm just like a laid back kind of guy who loves drowning humans. The very, dichotomy of what you are pointing out right now is going to increasingly become a major discussion point in this episode but before we get to that aside from the obvious or the you know the the low-hanging fruit like drawing or whatever um did did you have any at any point in your in your in your childhood did you have a sort of like unique obsession that spurred you to like spend a bunch of time building or making or learning a lot about something other than like watching movies or pop culture or whatever. I mean, frankly, there's some kind of dark stuff that I don't want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say that uh, I, I feel like, I feel like regardless of what ends up going on with Russ McCamey's life, this idea of going out and trick or treating and then just getting like really hyper-focused hyper fixated on 
uh, haunted houses to the point where he's like, I want to make a haunted house. I want to go to as many haunted houses as I, as I can. Um, that's a really familiar and relatable experience to me. And I feel like I had a number of these types of things when I was younger. Uh, but the one that sticks out in my mind is um, when I got really obsessed with magic and magic shows. And I was like, I really want to do magic. I mean, we talked about this in the Siegfried and Roy episode, but I want to do magic. I, I want to watch all these magic shows. I want to put on a magic show in my backyard, which I did. I, I, I devised a magic show, which was basically just a bunch of like over the counter tricks that I got in, a, in various magic sets and things like that. And um, I put on a show and I made flyers and I passed them around the neighborhood and tried to get as many people from the neighborhood to come watch this magic show. And uh, I'm sure the magic show was terrible and not entertaining at all. And it was just standing around watching a kid do like the dumbest tricks of all time. But to me, I thought like it was the fucking most amazing thing I ever did. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, I I did stuff like that where I made movies with my siblings and put on these weird little plays. And you know what I really got into when I was like the really like boring version of this is I got into making costumes with... um the hell is that thing called tinfoil I, I i was obsessed obsessed with lavar burton and Jordy laforge and i would make visors for myself and my siblings and anyone else who i could convince to wear them uh with tinfoil and i would like just obsess over that and make all like i would make like weird like rocket launchers and like uh arm gauntlets and yeah all kinds of weird little like costumes and accoutrements yeah, I mean, we're just we've done so many episodes of the show by now that we've just gotten into the point of like repeating ourselves and 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 just rehashing things. But I'll I'll, I'll once again say that uh, the perfect Jordy LaForge visor is the plastic tray from uh, uh, Lifesavers gummies. I mean, I don't disagree. I I agree. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, it's hard to it's hard to have these little like detours into these fun little like. Isn't it great when we used to be little kids and we would make like all these little magic shows and like, isn't it great that you just like love Jordy LaForge and you like made visors when you were a little kid? And also like, is it cool to like rape someone if they want you to rape them? But is it even really rape if they want you to rape them? You know, I mean, like, I mean, number one, it's the calm before the storm, baby. And number two, uh, very much, very, very intentionally, I want to sort of point out the the dichotomy there where, you know, you look you look at everyone a lot of people are aware of this story so you kind of look at it from this very specific lens but then you kind of peer back a little bit into the backstory in his childhood and you're like oh like yeah like at least for me specifically i was like yeah i had those i felt that exact same way when i was a kid like i had i had the exact same obsessions over things and um you know just to think about that and then think about sort of his motivations for why he did the things that he did uh, really just puts into perspective like wow like I was just like I was one bad day away from doing some dark shit he majored in theater in college and then joined the navy where he spent 23 years in service eventually being laid off in the late 2000s which I didn't even know could happen even in the navy he says he would put together elaborate haunted house experiences for his fellow crewmen while out at sea can you imagine that just like a, a, a haunted house on a ship on like you a think naval they were ship fleet themed? Like, do you think they do you think they were like ship themed or do you think they were like a stereotypical like haunted house with like a ghost or were they like pirate themed where it was like, come on, ye land lover. 
I feel like they would have, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I have no real experience with or knowledge of the Navy, but I feel like they would have had to be ship themed for them to even allow it to happen because this is, this is a future episode um, that we haven't actually done yet, but um, there, there's a, there's a guy in a, in a future episode who he was also in the Navy and he was really obsessed with like experimenting, like, like science experiments and like mixing chemicals and things like that. And um, when he was in the Navy and he was like stationed on a ship or whatever, he would like do these experiments out in the open for his crewmates and show them little like, like he would do like, Oh, I'm going to make, like a little a little like explosion or I'm going to make this these two chemicals like foam up and turn into this big foam stuff. And uh, he he got he repeatedly got in trouble and written up for doing it. And then eventually they like banned him from like being within 10 feet of a chemical or, something. you know, so <laughs> I feel like they're pretty strict about like, yeah, you can't just fuck around out, out here and like do little experiments or whatever. So I feel like in order for him them to have sanctioned a haunted house it would have had to have been like welcome to the ss nightmare or whatever <laughs> all right today we're going on the spookyville man's chest it, 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 and it would have to be actually you know it's funny because they had those they have those uh those like religious haunted houses where you go and it's like an alternative to trick-or-treating and it's a haunted house, except for the haunted house is all about like, oh, my God, I had an abortion and now I'm depressed because I killed my child. And that that's the haunted house. So the 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 Navy one, it would be like a recruitment. It would be like it would all just be propaganda for the Navy, except for like with skeletons. Oh, my God, I should have listened to that recruiter. I just did heroin for the first time and I'm overdosing. And I really wish I had gone on that cruise to be in the navy i don't know anything about the navy yeah that's no you do that's how it works you you take a cruise and while you're on the cruise if you make it to the end of the cruise you're in the navy oh right yeah 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 that's the every cruise line application that you've ever uh seen is actually a stealth admission to the navy yeah yeah if you go on a carnival cruise you will you will be in the navy at those the end of it. those uh, Star Trek cruises where they have like William Shatner singing Rocket Man to a ballroom of like sixty uh, retirees. Oh yeah, just uh, that, that's those are the uh, the octogenarian reserves uh, pipeline. That's how that's how they get them. I I, I worked with this guy years ago uh, back in like the you know mid two thousands when I worked at Circuit City. Uh, I worked with, I worked up with this guy named Anthony, and he was like a really weird guy, and. I didn't really like him, but he was just a guy that I hung out with at work a lot and talked to a lot and tended to like congregate with. And he was just, he was just a weird dude. And he swore he went, he went on a cruise or at least he claimed to have gone on a cruise. He was out, he was out on vacation and came back and he swore that he was abducted on the cruise. And he, and he, he didn't know whether it was he didn't know whether it was aliens or whether it was like a cartel of like underground organ harvesters. But he was abducted by something and they took his they took one of his kidneys and he swore that it happened. He came back and he told me all about it and he was and he showed me like the incision where his kidney was harvested. And then and and years later, I ran into him again. It was like 2011 or 2012. I ran into him at a gas station 
and he was just like oh andrew and he was talking to me or whatever and since i had uh worked with him he had become really religious and he was like a he was like a mega christian and you know no offense to christians but i was just like yep checks out it it it, it makes a lot of sense that that dude who swore that he was abducted by aliens ended up becoming this hyper religious guy so what do you wait so what do you think that story actually is do you think he did get abducted by like organ harvesters and then he couldn't process the trauma so he thought it was aliens do you think he sold one of his organs on the black market and like i don't know that's now he needed a story to tell people like what 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 is your guess of what that is yeah i think i think he i think he was a combination of a conspiracy theory a conspiracy theorist or somebody who really wants to believe in like conspiracy theory thinking um and also a pathological liar so he would sort of like convince himself of things happening and then go around telling people lies that were like halfway a lie and halfway something that he genuinely tricked himself into believing through like paranoia so do you think that incision scar was just like he had some different type of surgery and he was like, I'm going to milk this? Or do you think he actually did lose a kidney for some reason? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just like a scar he already had from something else normal. Yeah, you were like, it was kind of weird. I didn't know kidneys were located underneath your rib cage. <laughs> I think it kind of was on his rib cage, too. I mean, I didn't even I didn't really intellectualize it because I was just like I already was just like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like, it's not not true at all. But uh, yeah, I think I think he's just somebody who like is really paranoid and makes up stories and then like convinces him that they're re convinces himself that they're real. After returning from active duty, he settled down in San Diego, California, a common area for Navy and Marine recruits due to its massive bases and ocean access, where he worked a side job as a wedding DJ. McCamey is simultaneously a very odd but also oddly bland guy. Despite the proclivities we will learn more about as the episode goes on, in interviews he carries himself like a cross between a very uncharismatic carnival barker and the corniest uncle in history. He's very well-spoken and good at articulating himself, and yet has a very unappealing aesthetic that makes you not want to listen to him. But the more fascinating thing is to study the way he views himself, which is as a pure, no-holds-barred entertainer that harkens back to that of the golden age of cinema. Well, I'm just an entertainer. You know, whether I'm in a band or doing my wedding DJ stuff, which is pretty crazy, right? I'm mean, here, I'm this crazy over-the-top haunter, but then I'm also this wedding, hey, kind of guy. You know? So it doesn't right. make any sense, yeah. right? And But I just like to entertain, whether it be doing plays or, you know, music choir, drama, you know, band. I was, I was that nerdy guy in high school. And then, then I was a theater arts major in college. And then I jumped in, in the Navy for 23 years. And I was doing haunts even out to sea. It didn't matter really? where I was. I was doing them on the ships for the... You know, for the guys, so it didn't matter. If I was in a one-bedroom apartment, I was doing a haunt. It did not matter. I just like to entertain the folks, so that's what I am. I'm, an, you know, I'm just I'm an entertainer, and uh, I'm just lucky that I'm able to to do that and get my little projects off the ground. And I'm even more lucky that people respond to them. I mean, that's really nice, for better or for worse. If people give you some. Uh, some attention from it and you know i get a lot of negative stuff but it's all it's all fine i find these like hyper specific communities that grow out of like weird things to be very fascinating i you know i i, I feel like you know our sensibilities and what we do is not i wouldn't necessarily call it normal 
But at the end of the day, you know, we have interest in like fairly conventional things like wanting to make movies or write, you know, make comics or do a podcast. Like those are very normal interests to have. And I'm very fascinated by people like the fact that there's like a community, like a large community that grows up around something like, um, you know, uh, all those people that have like bought and recreated the rock fire explosion animatronic band from showbiz pizza in the 80s. There's like a whole community of people that have those and they like program their own like little performances with them. Or ventriloquists. The, yeah. I feel like or, I, there was like a Vice documentary a couple years ago that was just like a bunch of people who all were really like, you know, frustrated ventriloquism acts. They all went to like ventriloquon ventriloquon or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a TikTok video up where it was two it was a young ventriloquist and like an older like veteran ventriloquist like at ventriloquon or whatever it's called. And they were just talking shop and talking about they were talking about like how their 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 techniques for saying bees because they were like b is like the hardest word to pronounce letter to pronounce because of the fact that you kind of have to open your mouth to make to make the sound and so there's all there's like these different techniques that people use to simulate the sound of a bee so that, yeah that i found that super fascinating and like you know stuff like this the fact that there's this whole community around and we'll talk about this a little later a little later this documentary but there's a documentary called haunters and a couple other documentaries as well, all about this huge nationwide community of people who are obsessed with doing haunted houses um, at their own house at Halloween. And they sink thousands upon thousands of dollars into it. They make no money from it. And, they, and, and as a matter of fact, it like, you know, they they it's put strains on their relationships and takes a bunch of their time. Some of them have like lost jobs because they were just putting too much time into this and they love it so much that they that they'll just you know accept all these sacrifices to make a haunted house um or stuff like there's this there's like there's a community around you know how home depot has those giant skeletons that they sell for halloween they're like a it's like a 20 foot skeleton there's a whole community around those and there's people that are obsessed with them and they're kind of hard to come by they sell out really fast so there's like a facebook group that's all about like, oh, uh, 20 foot skeleton sighting at the Home Depot in in, uh, you know, Bakersfield, uh, you know, on at the Ming location or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, they, they just sold out. I just got there and I got the last one. And then like they dress them up in different outfits and things like that. Like, I just I don't know. There's something so fascinating to me about having these hyper specific obsessions about about a an interest that is like technically uh, a very kind of like inconsequential and throwaway thing that doesn't have like quote unquote worth in the traditional sense. He also has a deep affinity for flashy gimmicks, entrepreneurial marketeering, and larger than life personality. So silly that I'm even doing this, but I do this because the, the fans like it and because it's entertaining to me. So it felt good to get that recognition because I knew that it was all a bunch of hooey. I know that what I'm doing is not what they think it is, but I know how to present it in such a way and I can deliver on a product that I can make people believe that it really is that way. So I have to sit back and just kind of giggle to myself that that's pretty clever. And if, if you or your audience knows this guy named William Castle back from the 
60s, 50s and 60s, he was a low budget Alfred Hitchcock guy. He produced and directed a lot of low budget, really creative, fun movies like The House on Haunted Hill with with um, Vincent Price and The Tingler with Vincent Price again. And what William Castle would do, he'd use a lot of gimmicks in his movies where like, you know, he'd put buzzers under the seats for the audience to feel like when the tingler was supposedly escaped in the audience and the theater went dark and this creature's running around and the seats are buzzing and people are, that's kind of what I do. It's smoke and mirrors. I do a lot of that kind of thing. And that's where I get my biggest enjoyment from is like, all right, if I pull this stunt, if I pull this illusion, will the audience buy it? And it's really nice when they do. Yeah. And it's, and so it's very, it, it's very uh, satisfactory. It's a lot of satisfaction for me to see that my little, again, I go back to smoke and mirrors because it really is, can actually work. Yeah. And Can we just talk for a second about how Russ McCamey said, just fuck the collar of my shirt up. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's sitting here, he's wearing a, he's wearing a t-shirt, it says McCamey Manor on it, and he's like, He's got like a walkie-talkie. He could have the walkie-talkie hooked onto his belt loop. He could have it. He could just carry it, I guess. He could put it in his pocket. But instead, he's taken a normal t-shirt with a... Uh, I don't even know what the normal one is called. A, a, a O-neck or whatever. Just a normal t-shirt. Crew neck. Crew neck. And he's turned it into like a Guinness Book of World Records winning V-neck. Like the deepest V-neck has yeah. ever existed because he's hanging the he's clipped the the walkie-talkie into his crew neck and it's just like dragging the crew neck down and like fucking it up and just it goes completely fucking it goes it down further and further as the interview progresses and also there's another interesting thing with just this look and this shirt which i, I it's funny that you bring that up because it kind of plays into something else i wanted to say which is you know we haven't even gotten into the controversy stuff yet but I just really wanted to set up the breadcrumbs for sort of two key pieces of kayfabe that are, you know, that Russ McCamey likes to weave into his public persona as this story evolves. The first one, which I think to a certain degree is true in a sense, but certainly he's number one, exaggerating it. And number two, not telling the entire story, obviously. But the first thing is, that he just portrays himself as this like super like ah shucks really just like you need, well god darn it i'm just russ mccamey and if this ain't just the most gall darned tootinous moment of my life then gall diggity dang um just portrays himself as this really just like r rated g like 1950s sitcom character guy um and then the other thing is that he just really he repeats these same talking points in every interview talking about how McCamey Manor is smoke and mirrors he uses that phrase a lot. It's PG-13 really hammers in on the fact and we'll get to this later. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but really lays into the fact that it's a it, they, they don't allow cussing um in in McCamey Manor and they don't allow any nudity or like sexual stuff in the thing he like really pushes the cleanliness of it um and how much cleaner it is than any other haunted house experience like ex extreme haunted house experience um even down to his the way he dresses which he dresses like 
like shit basically and i and i think that what he's really trying to convey is this idea of like i'm just a i'm just a poor country dude and like i'm not some highfalutin guy i'm not some dark sadistic you know crazy person i'm just like a normal guy who a working collar guy who just wears like dirty shirts that look like shit um and it kind of it kind of reminds me of andrew wk and like his costume which is like the whole concept behind his costume is um that i don't i i do not have a fashion sense i just wear a blank slate i wear white clothes they're dirty and unwashed and i just want to give you like no impression of my personality from my clothes none of which really fully prepares you for experiencing what he's chosen to dedicate a significant portion of his life to mckamey manor mckamey manor is a name that russ mckamey has been using for his haunted experiences since he was a kid but the manor itself has taken many forms mckamey started hosting these haunts at his house in the san diego suburbs around the late 90s but they initially started out as fairly tame run-of-the-mill haunts this is trying to aspire to. It was uh, seemed like it took a turn for a horse the last year. So I went through it about 20 years ago. It was very uh, passive. And so now it's a little bit extreme. What was it like when you went into it 20 years ago? Well, you went through the side of his house and arms reached out at you from a window. And then he had like scary stuff in the back, but it was pretty simple. And then uh, it was a basic haunted house, you know. And then since it got more extreme, I've been too afraid to go into it because I don't like being scared like that. However, as the years went on, McCamey started to get more and more creative with his haunts. He wanted to go more extreme, more scary, more realistic. He didn't just want people walking through a hallway with hands grabbing them anymore. He wanted people to feel real fear, forget they were safe for a moment and wonder if they'd make it home alive. By the late 2000s, McCamey Manor aged out of the haunt classification and started punching featherweight as an extreme haunt, a horror experience that is far more violent and terrifying than a traditional haunted house. Often where the actors are allowed to touch you, the imagery is far more disturbing and there is often hypersexuality and nudity. Whereas haunts are geared towards people who are just really into Halloween, horror and spookiness, extreme haunts are for adrenaline junkies and people who feel pleasure or excitement from fear. But even then, McCamey Manor was at the relatively low end of the spectrum for extreme haunts. As a matter of fact, due to Russ McCamey's perplexingly white-bred sensibilities, there was a strict no-cussing, no-nudity, no-sexual imagery rule in McCamey Manor. However, even at this stage, you started to get a glimpse of the fact that there was something more bubbling under the Leave It to Beaver aw shucks exterior. That. Cannot do that. But we did it. And people want even more. When the hunt first started back in the mid-90s, 95, 96, it was open only for Halloween. And that took me probably about a month to set up. Now, in 2008, the haunt is open for the entire month of October. And that means about two to three months of preparation of building sets and props. It's going to have walls. That's the inside of our kitchen. That's Carol right there. And you won't see her. There'll be a barrier here. He's, he's called the gusher for a reason. There's actually a hose attached to him. So when he sprays water, it sprays like a fire hose. We handcuff them inside this cage. Then we slowly fill up the pool. If you ever want to have a simulated drowning experience, this is where you want to come to. You guys are sick. Yeah, so at this point, this this is kind of in like this is in late 2000s, 2007, 2008. And um, 
he's kind of getting more experimental with what the haunt is kind of pushing it further into you know into the extreme making it scarier kind of like emphasizing the the sadism aspect of it um but it's still for the most part like a fairly run-of-the-mill like extreme haunt experience like there's plenty of haunted houses out there that really lean into shocking and scary content like that so it's still it's it's not like any different than many extreme haunts at this point then something happened the 2008 housing market collapsed and ensuing economic recession mckamey was laid off from the navy as i previously mentioned i didn't know could even happen and his dj gigs were drying up with suddenly much more time to devote to devising increasingly elaborate haunts something inside of russ mckamey seemed to snap or maybe he just finally had the time to express his true self McKamey Manor started to take shape as something far more than just a haunt, or even an extreme haunt. It became a hyper-real, living fear experience, which focused around Russ McKamey's goal of psychologically breaking people. And uh, at, at this point in the episode, Dave, in the spirit of this theme of of consent, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something that I did not get uh, when first experiencing McKamey Manor, um, because I sort of had these videos sort of thrust upon me by by a friend who kind of just threw them on and I just kind of they were just shown to me you know without me even having a say in it so I I, I want to ask you your consent to watch because from this point on um I don't know if I don't know how much you've watched of this or how much you know about McKamey man I, I know of it as a concept but I've never watched any of the videos the, these these can get pretty disturbing and it's not like gore or like anybody really getting hurt uh or anything like that it's really just like it can be it can be genuinely disturbing to watch somebody in this amount this amount of emotional distress Um, well let's do it and worst case scenario uh i just pull the ripcord and i say i'm done you just literally eject you press a button and you just like shoot out of the roof of your of your you look down and you're you're like Queuing up the video, you look down and then you look back up and it's just Theodore sitting in the (laughs) chair. And then he's like behind me. I turn around. He's just standing over my shoulder. And I just get out of the car. I'm like, Grace, I know you're in the bushes. You're going to go through the haunted house. Put her in the car and and drag her back here. Let me out! Rose! Rose, let me out! No, I'm not Grace. Please get me out of the chair. Please get me out of the chair. I went out of the chair. One, three, one more time. <laughs> no. no, Russ. That, no, that's not happening. The coffin is the scariest thing for her. And that's that's one that's one way I got her in because I promised her, I, I promise you, Grace, I won't lock you in the coffin. I want help. I want help. This is bad karma. But <laughs> did I lock her in? Of course a lot dreams. No. <laughs> and then she lost her mind. Have you ever had to pull the plug before? Yeah. There's this one gal named Grace. She's famous. Gracie. There was a room there where there was, I don't want to call it an altercation. She was going for the axe and she wanted to kill us all. Okay, maybe it was an altercation. I thought, well, just get the axe away from her and it'll be okay. Get it! Oh <laughs> it didn't, I don't, it didn't work out that way. I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna kill you! I'll kill you first! 
So what do you think, Billy? Is this something seriously that you feel comfortable doing? I don't know. I'm just uh, kind of don't really know what I'm getting into yet, so I want to make sure. Jenna, listen! I got the axe! I don't have to fucking listen to you! I'm in this to have fun, but I'm not in this to get my head cut off with an axe, so... Well, lucky for you, it's just a prop axe, so it, it would just, you know, wouldn't actually cut your head off. But we had to take her out. So it happens. But just keep in mind, this is just a big show, man. It's a play. This is just a play. We're putting on a big old play. Like that in the old movies so back in the 40s. Let's put on a show, everybody. Yeah, let's put on the play. That's, you know, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Let's nah, do dude. it. <laughs> I was terrorized. No, yeah, you're totally right. Because it, 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 it's funny because even down to, like like I said, he has sort of like these canned responses or talking points that he uses in a bunch of different uh, interviews and then like a few of the documentaries that he's been in. And it's that specific thing he actually repeats. Like that seems like maybe it's spontaneous, but in at least one other interview he's done, he did that exact thing where he's like, "Yeah, it's just smoking. It's just smoking mirrors." You know, like, "Yeah, everybody!" And he does that little arm thing. He's done that exact thing verbatim in a different interview. So even that is like, it's just part of his shtick. The thing I don't get is like, do people know fully? Like this Grace woman. Does she know fully how crazy this is? You know, like, why, why do this to yourself? You know, I don't really like I get wanting to. I like being scared. I like going to horror movies. I even like haunted houses. I like haunted corn mazes. But that's like this weird thing of, you know, it's it's safety. It's fear, fear, fear in safety. You know that the motherfucker running at you with the giant chainsaw. There's no, you know, teeth in it. There's no there's no chain in the in the chainsaw. Whereas this is like, this is a whole different thing, man. Like this is a, this is genuinely like that woman has post-traumatic stress from this. Like that woman's, whether that woman knows that she, whether that woman knows or doesn't know that she is in a simulation doesn't matter because her body knows what near death fight or flight is. And her body obviously experienced that in copious amounts. Yeah. These are, these are all great questions and great observations um, and I think we're going to really explore everything you're talking about in Act Two. Um, I would love. I'm chomp. I'm chomping. I'm champing at the bit, which is the actual correct way of saying it, to discuss what you're talking about right now. Um, but let's save it for Act Two. And what does McCamey say his primary motivation for doing this is? To immortalize it on film. As the years went by and McCamey Manor evolved from the typical, quote, walk through a series of hallways and tunnels type haunted house, McCamey started incorporating himself into the experience. He'd be right there with you, narrating what was going to happen to you, and shoving a camcorder in your face the entire time. He wanted the footage so he could make movies that showed a person being pushed past their psychological breaking point and scarred forever in real time. What makes the movie is what makes the fans. He works on those videos, it seems like 24-7. And so I constantly hear screaming all night long. I've spent so many hours with them. It's like they're my, they're my new best friend. The guests are the actors. They are my stars because each person that goes through, I'm basically editing in my mind. I'm trying to get the shot I want. I want the angle I want. My favorite shot is up close and personal. Two to three inches from your face. That's how we can see the fear in your eyes. So I have to get real fear. It's taking them to the ledge and tossing them off and laughing as they cruise down that hill at 100 miles an hour. 
It's actually very PG-13, although it's kind of kind of R-rated in the sense that of the violence level. This isn't just a haunt. This is an experience. It's not. This is a. First of all, there's a shot here that is just like hilarious and also disturbing, and also like you know some somewhere in between that hill at 100 miles and just total performance uh where uh Russ McCamey is sitting at a at a editing bay or just at his computer with this edit up of one of these videos and it's just showing footage of these people just being taken through the ringer just tortured screaming in abject horror and he's just kind of like broadly he's got this huge shit-eating grin on his face and he's just watching it and just kind of like nodding rhythmically. And it's like, it's partially like, oh my God, this, this guy is a fucking maniac. And partially like, oh, this is like all an act. Like he's just, he's hamming it up for the camera and pretending like he like is really just like enjoying this. So it's like, does he really enjoy this? Is it a performance that's all part of his persona? And it's probably some combination of both. But either way, it's just like disturbing. And it's it's almost got like an uncanny valley type feel to it. Um but this is a good time uh, to ask. You kind of alluded to it just a second ago, but uh, you know what? What is your experience with McCamey Manor? What do you? How did you learn about this? What you know? What to what degree are you familiar with with old Russy? Russ McCamey came. Rusty Cage. Rusty Cage. Yeah, you know, I think the first time I can remember hearing about this was like, I feel like I heard about it in like the early days of like Reddit really popping off. I feel like I either saw some sort of like, can you believe type post or maybe like a clip of, you know, like a super cut of a bunch of people screaming. And I was just like, it was like, I feel like everybody in our age bracket kind of had that period with like rotten.com and stuff. We were like, I want to see all the fucked up shit. And then you quickly got over that and you're like, all right, I know what this is. I'm good. And uh, that was kind of my reaction to McKamey Manor. I was like, all right, I know what this is. Yeah, I my my uh, high school rotten.com experience was more in the vein of like a uh, passive spectator under duress where you know i feel like a lot of a lot of teenage boys in in that period in you know when we were in high school in you know early 2000s 2003 through 2006 um that was a popular thing to do was to go on rotten.com and watch really fucked up videos I did not want to watch the videos. I had no interest in watching the videos, but I was essentially forced to watch the videos many a night with a group of friends. Um, so I was subjected to watching those videos, uh, whether I liked it or not. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like watching stuff like that. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm. I don't really want to. I, I'm not. It's not like super disturbing to me. Like I'm not somebody who will like puke seeing something gross or like be very disturbed. But like, I don't want to watch it. I don't. I, it doesn't bring me. It doesn't bring me pleasure to watch fucked up videos like that. Um, and yet, I watched many of them. And this was this. And yeah, this was kind of a same. The similar thing. It's actually funny that my 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 exposure to McCamey Manor was in around 2015, and it was when this story started kind of like making its rounds on social media, and like people were making article click, clickbait articles and stuff like that about it. And uh, the company I was working for was no different. Uh, one of the video editors um, so, so pitched making a video about it and she made uh, a video about McCamey Manor using the footage and it's 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 funny because she was this really bright bubbly 
uh, personality, like really positive, really kind of like sheepdog type energy. Um, and she was like into it, like in a weird way, like everybody else was like, oh, this is gross. And she was like, she was like into it. Like she loved this and really put a lot of work into making the video. You got her, you got her, you got her number? <laughs> uh, no. You got, you got her, you got her email? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't you got know. Her Slack? You got her, yes, you got her, Slack. you got her Insta, you got her Twitter. Yeah, she she was really she was really into this in a in a way that was like just kind of disturbing. Whereas like, why why are you so into the this torture video? Yeah, um, man. And I, and, hook me up, bro. Come on. And I I think it's gonna speak to what we talk about later on and kind of the questions you were asking about like why would you be into this? Um, who is into this? Uh, I have some interesting thoughts about that. And I think I think that kind of speaks to it because. She's not somebody that you would think would be into something like that, and yet she totally was. However, despite McCamey Manor becoming increasingly extreme and disturbing, it remained relatively uncontroversial. Some neighbors were a bit concerned about the goings-on in Russ McCamey's suburban home come every October, but otherwise, he was just your typical neighborhood haunt enthusiast. That was until 2015 and 2017, when McCamey Manor was featured in a human interest piece published by The Guardian and the documentary Haunters the Art of the Scare, respectively. The news piece was a seven-minute expose on the bizarre world of Russ McCamey. The documentary followed the lives and work of various haunt enthusiasts across the country, but the clear standout of the film was McCamey, who, unlike nearly every other subject of the movie, was very clearly not on the same wavelength. I just like to entertain folks. I'm just, uh, I'm just Russ. Get those hands up, why are you crying? Why are you crying? It's all over for you, okay? <laughs> Come here, Brindley. Come here, old man. Russ is just a uh, good guy. Come on. You know, I'm not what you think. Get him up. Have I told you numerous times that you don't want to take this tour? I'm done with the laughing. Right? Do you understand that? So McKinney Manor is actually a survival horror boot camp experience. As of last year, there were over 27,000 on the combined waiting list. For me, it's about making that special Kodak moment. I am always thinking of it as a cinematic experience because I'm trying to get the shot I want, the angle I want. There's, so there's 2,500 comments on this one here. There's a specific thought that I that I had sort of like researching this and kind of looking at the evolution of McCamey Manor um, because, you know, we saw sort of like what the early one, what the early iteration of it was. It's just kind of a haunted house, the type of thing we've kind of experienced and been to before. Like you go into a room and there's kind of like a, ma a maze and there's hallways. You walk through and like some dude with a chainsaw jumps out and kind of like menaces at you and then you continue on so on and so forth. And then the second sort of iteration of it was kind of like the same thing, except for it was like the scope and the scale was like Frank to 11, a lot more detail. And then there was like these little like this little showing of like, oh, and there's also like this other kind of element of it where they'll put you in a cage and then like fill it with water and like simulate a drowning. And that was kind of like the next step of it. And it goes from that, from this normal sort of haunted house experience to this which is like, it's not a haunted house at all anymore. It's not even really an attraction or a, or a, a ride. 
or anything. It's just like, we're going to take you out into this backyard and then just like beat the shit out of you. And it it's funny because it kind of reminded me, have you, you ever seen that movie Art School Confidential? You know the scene when they're in uh, John Malkovich's house and he's like looking up at these paintings on the wall and they're just like triangles. It's just like, it's like a canvas and then it just has a triangle on it. And the guy says something about like, oh, they're just triangles or whatever. And then John Malkovich is like, it took me 30 years to learn how to paint like that. This is what it reminds me of, where it's like, this is the, this is like the blue period, like abstract art of haunted houses where it's like, yeah, it took me 30 years to learn that the pinnacle of haunted house, uh, haunted house art is just, just tie somebody up and punch them. Like it's it's so fucking weird that this is where it led to. Like this is where Yeah, you know, it's it it to me it it feels like less of a organic development of an interest and a like niching, niching, niching down into an interest and more a fetishist developing a sexual proclivity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he and that yeah, and I'd 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 be fascinated to kind of understand whether it you know what what the chicken or the egg is of it like is this something where he was into haunted houses and then he started doing it and he sort of started being like oh yeah whenever they kind of scream i kind of like that and then he started to like kind of push it further and further or was it always like that and he was just trying to slowly normalize it to the point where he could kind of do it out in the open i don't know i i don't really i don't really get it but i it's yeah, I don't really get I don't I don't it, to me I I understand him being into this more than I understand anyone signing up for this. Yeah, I mean it I think it goes without saying, although I guess not, considering that some people that seem to be into this you would be surprised by. But there's no way in a million fucking years that I would ever do this. Ever. You there isn't enough money to pay me to do this. Like like whatever, whatever amount of like testing yourself or proving yourself this accomplishes, I don't need to learn whatever the results of that are. I don't need to prove that to myself, whatever that is. No interest whatsoever in proving myself if I can live through torture. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't, yeah. Anyway, let's, let's keep going. But yeah, it's, it's pretty befuddling to me. The exposure of McKamey Manor to a larger national audience of horror enthusiasts through the documentary and Guardian piece invited a lot of new attention. A good amount of it was decidedly positive. By the late 2010s, McKamey Manor had a wait list of about 20,000 people. However, Russ McKamey was not prepared for the level of scrutiny that this newfound fame would bring him. And he was about to transform from small town aw shucks haunt maestro to public enemy number one to a very specific group of people on the internet. Thanks for listening to this episode. You should definitely go like the Facebook page for the Deep Cuts pod because we do lots of cool video content on there that you'll be sure to like. Also, please join our Facebook group. That's Deep Cuts Podcast on Facebook and the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Also follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. Act two, you wouldn't like me when I get libertarian. The Guardian news piece, and especially the Haunters documentary, caused a viral moment for Russ McCamey and McCamey Manor in the late 2010s. Fortunately, or maybe unfortunately for Russ, 
there is a very specific cycle of information dissemination that happens on the internet where there are literally thousands of viral quote-unquote news publishers and clickbait sites that churn out hundreds of articles a day to post on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter in an attempt to keep the beach ball of constant site traffic in the air so they can turn a profit on banner ad placements. And they're constantly plumbing the depths of every single source of zany and fascinating stories to feed that machine. So at some point, somebody watched the Hunters documentary and thought it would be a perfect topic for one of these clickbait articles. McKamey Manor, the haunted house you might die in. And once one site published it, every single other one picked it up. It became a social media clickbait phenomenon for weeks. Tons of people became interested in McKamey Manor. Their waitlist ballooned to nearly 40,000 people. Russ himself became an enigmatic figure. Who exactly was this closet sicko who came off like a used car salesman from the Care Bears universe, but got off on feeding people their greatest fears? At first, this was the best case scenario for McKamey. He was a self-proclaimed natural entertainer who idolized the William Castles and Vincent Prices of the world. And he also loved any kind of attention. To have seemingly the whole world in a frenzy around his persona was all the validation he needed to know that he was cut from the same cloth as his heroes. However, at the same time, McKamey Manor was getting increased attention in the public consciousness. McKamey was also getting more experimental and ambitious with the haunt. It was no longer even recognizable as what anyone would consider a haunt, or even an extreme haunt. It had morphed into a day-long, depraved, psychological endurance test. It was like the real-life version of the Saw franchise, except you presumably didn't die at the end. And to be fair, to this day, McKamey Manor has zero accidental death under his belt. But that's not what McKamey Manor critics, or even Russ McKamey himself, would have you believe. This is how the modern-day iteration of McKamey Manor works. Throughout the year, Russ McKamey pours through the waitlist of potential victims. I mean, guests. He hand-selects people to go through the experience by studying their public social media, reaching out to friends and acquaintances, and deciding who he thinks would be the most fun to terrorize. After selecting a potential subject, he interviews them, their friends, and even their enemies. He finds out what their worst fears are, what bothers them at night when they can't sleep, why people like them, why they hate them, and how best to get under their skin. The subjects are also submitted to an extensive background test and are required to supply a note from a doctor deeming them mentally and physically fit for the level of stress the experience will put on them. You have to be 21 years old or 18 with parents' permission. If they pass all the tests and Russ finds them interesting enough, he'll spend months designing and crafting a custom, quote, haunt experience for them. The experience is tailor-made for every person and is solely designed for one thing, destroying them mentally, psychologically, and even physically to a certain degree. The custom experience is typically designed to last from 8 to 10 hours. Back in the beginning, if the person could make it through the entire thing, they'd win $1,000. Eventually, the prize money for completing McKamey Manor ballooned to $20,000. To this day, nobody has ever completed it and collected the prize money. Most people only last about 5 minutes. A far cry from its early years is what McKamey refers to as a, quote, boo haunt. These experiences consist of a group of haunt actors physically and psychologically abusing you for hours on end. They smack you around, pull your hair, drag you through mud, hold you down and let spiders and snakes crawl on you, force you to eat and drink mysterious liquids and substances, shove objects in your mouth, force you to crawl into cages, lock you in coffins, all the while shouting insults in your face. But again, absolutely no cussing. And if you cuss, the prize money is lowered. Throughout the entire experience, Russ is right there with a camera, capturing every second of it and joining in on the verbal abuse. And yeah, I think... I really think, there, there, like I said before, there is this like constant focus in interviews and when he's on these documentaries where it's like, yeah, it's so weird because these these 
uh, you know, McKamey Manor is so twisted and so sick, and yet he's such like a wholesome guy, and like he, you're not even allowed to cuss in the thing, and you know, I think honestly, I think the entire thing is just a very strategic um, marketing technique or or damage control technique, where he's really just trying to strike that balance of like, yeah, you know, we get a little crazy in these things, but like. I am I'm a Boy Scout, you know, I don't even I don't even like to cuss. And if you cuss, I'm going to lower the prize money. But it's all it's all just for show. It's all just to, like, create that feeling of like, oh, well, it can't be that bad. Like, you oh, know, yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely is. It, it 100 percent is. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Jay-Z Knight and the thing that we talked about with Jay-Z Knight, which is the level of how normal her personal persona was was meant to offset and balance the sheer absurdity of what she was doing. So it's like, if she was a weird, animated, crazy person, then you'd be like, yeah, she's fucking crazy. No wonder she pretends like she is like an ancient spirit. But she comes off as so normal that when she does the, when she gets channeled, you're like, maybe there's something to this. She seems like such a normal person. Here is a description of McKamey Manor directly from its website that seems straight out of the mid-90s GeoCities era. Be warned, McKamey Manor is not your standard boo-haunted house. It is an audience participation event in which you live your own horror movie. It's a rough, intense, and truly frightening experience. You must be in great health to participate. The next evolution in interactive supernatural horror theater. Understand that each tour will be based on your personal fears and that they can last up to 10 hours. Each guest will be mentally and physically challenged until you reach your personal breaking point. This will be an aggressive experience and actors can come in contact with you. You cannot in any way return the contact. It's very psychological. It's very much a one-on-one scenario and you are going to believe everything that that I want you to believe. I'm in total control of the sights, the sounds, the smells, of your feelings, really. I know how to get inside a person's head. I'm real good at doing that. Be warned, if you come to McKinney Manor, we're gonna make your tour personal. Every single tour is different. We're gonna find out about you. We're gonna talk to your family, your friends, the people who don't like you. We're gonna get the dirt on you. We're gonna find out a lot of information a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you probably don't want me knowing about. Yeah. But we spend a couple of months which, with each person before they go in to really get that information and really find out what we can kind of use against them. Is it fair? Yes, because everybody knows that's right. what I do. We pre-screen people. We have to make sure they're physically and mentally okay because it is, to say the least, very, very challenging. What three things really, 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 really freak you out? My number one is probably spiders. Something in my mouth. Snakes, rats, clowns. We currently have, as of last year, over 17,000 people on the waiting list to go through. What would make you want to put yourself through two to four hours of nonstop terror? Because I want to prove to myself I'm not a wimp. Yeah, so I, I think that I think that really illuminates kind of like the the sort of talking out of both sides of his mouth about this because, you know, in certain aspects of, in certain parts of interviews, he's really hamming up this, like, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's PG-13. It's just a play. You know, it's just a play. It's just a fun play or whatever. Really, really hamming that up. But then in these other segments, 
he just like his jaw unhinges and he just gets shark eyes and he's just talking about how much he enjoys psychologically destroying people like it's like those two things do not like on, on one hand you're just saying it's a fun play and on the other one you just become patrick bateman yeah it's actually kind of like genuinely disturbing to me like yeah i don't know i don't know why this is affecting me so much because we we've done episodes about literal genocide and it hasn't affected me this much i don't know why this is so maybe because it's a little bit more comprehensible you know like the act of killing episode is so abhorrently anti-human, you know, but it's but it, the focus is also about like this art project around that war crime and horrific industrialization of another country really for no other reason other than so that Americans can have like fucking tennis shoes or whatever. And I think I could in that way, like parse the tragedy and the torment and the emotion through the piece of art that was created from it and the russ mccamey version of making a piece of art in air quotes is purely for commercial purposes it's purely to try and attract more people to do harm to there's no i'm trying to make a work of art to in some way solve this pain it's i'm trying to make more commercials for the pain I've caused so that I can cause more pain, which is just so fundamentally disturbing to me. Like it really, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really understand it. Um, yeah. I don't really know how this is legal either. There are many things I think sort of operate in legal shades of gray because even if you could technically get somebody on some kind of legal technicality or if something is over the line of legality, like if you kind of push back with enough don't tread on me energy, like people will probably leave you alone because nobody wants to nobody wants to get into a land war with a fucking libertarian because they're notoriously just people who will make your life a living hell for years and they will not relent in the name of like personal freedom and civil civil liberties. Uh, and let, let's take a look at speaking of the website. Let's just take a look at this website real quick. I just, I just want to show you the, the McCamey Manor website. I don't know whose website is worse, his or Dr. Matthew Johnson. The guy who like thinks that or tries to convince people that Bigfoot is real. Like both yeah, of these websites or, are really bad. Or the website for the guy, whatever his name was, that was the owner of the co the co owner of Lisa Frank, and then he oh his, yeah his, yeah that his one own was really Christian bad too. clothing store. Yeah, so this this is the website. Uh, in like I like I said before, like this looks straight up like it was made in angel fire. Like it's just, it's like it doesn't even work properly. I don't even know like yeah like this is this is straight up late 90s it's like there's a page and it's got like a picture that's like a illustration of somebody tied up in a chair and then it's just got and like, there's a quick time player that doesn't work yeah quick time player that doesn't work and then like it's just got text on it and then a bunch of links like this this was straight up made in fucking geo cities oh my god there's a banner at the bottom that says call and then his phone number or email Musical excitement with Russ at yahoo.com. Musical. So he's using his like DJ email. He's like, amazing. No need to make a new email. I'm just going to keep using my DJ email, my wedding DJ email. My wedding email, my, my wedding DJ email 
so so I can torture people. Jesus fucking Christ. And also for some reason. Also, is there a is there a Yeah, there's is there a Charmander? Yeah, there's so this it's an illustration and it's a it's a person, I think a woman tied up in a chair, bound at the arms. You're seeing it from behind. There's somebody standing in the room in the background kind of in the shadows with their hands crossed. And then there's a table, and then for some reason, there's just a little Charmander figurine on the table. I don't even, I don't even know what the fuck that means. But go, but go, go to McKamiemanor.com. And who would be interested in being one of these actors in the experience? Who shares the same sick fascination with psychologically torturing people as McKamey himself? Well, mostly former guests of The Haunt. Most of the people who helped McKamey run the experience are people who formerly went through it themselves. It seems there is a unique connection between wanting to push yourself to psychological extremes and submitting yourself to being mentally broken and wanting to inflict that same experience on others. So how much does it cost to go to McKamey Manor? Certainly after all these months of research and planning, rounding up a crew of people, and running a day-long experience for one single person, it must cost a fortune and only be available to affluent thrill-seekers with tons of disposable income. It costs two bags of dog food to have the experience. Yep. All that Russ asks is that you restock the food for his dogs. He's primarily interested in the footage he gets from running the show, and he wants to keep the barrier for entry low. The waitlist might not be in the five figures if this was some ultra-expensive experience. And then there's the infamous waiver. Every person who takes the experience must sign an extensive 40-page waiver that lays out all the inherent risks of McKamey Manor and removes Russ of any legal liability for anything that happens to you. Here are a few excerpts from the waiver that leaked onto the internet at some point. Want to, want to tell us what we're looking at here, Dave? This is these yeah. are some particularly juicy uh, line items in this forty-page waiver. Yeah, basically, uh, am I reading just the yellow yeah, ones? You just, or? Yeah, you, I mean they're all pretty crazy, but like the the highlighted ones, whether they're pink or yellow, you could read those. Um, point number forty-nine: Participant fully understands and agrees that they may come in contact with carbon monoxide poisoning with regards to use of artificial fog that's pretty that's a fairly normal one like that's a very normal okay that, yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's the kind of like uh waiver line item that you get at a normal place because if that's the case and if there's a potential risk of carbon monoxide poisoning from fog you know a lot of haunted houses use fog yeah that's not too bad participant fully understands and agrees that once participant enters mckamey manor there is no quitting unless serious physical or psychological injury is present Right, a little less less cool. Yeah, you're, a little threatening. You're effectively, and we'll talk about this later with the safe word. But you're effectively agreeing that like you can't leave or go back on it until they decide that you. I think, I think you can. Well, no, yeah, read read fifty one because I think I feel like that's pretty. Participant fully understands that injuries may occur during the tour of McKamey Manor, which may include but are not limited to head, neck, back injuries, death stroke, traumatic brain injury, brain aneurysms, cerebral or retinal hemorrhage, subdermal hematoma, loss of consciousness, whiplash, harmful heart reactions, nausea, headache, dizziness, lacerations, broken and or strained bones, torn ligaments, bleeding wounds, scrapes and or cuts, heat stroke or drowning and does not hold McKamey Manor responsible. It's a bit more intense. What is this, a uh, depression medication? <laughs> Number 52. 
Participant fully understands and agrees that being scared, having having a panic attack, etc., does not count as serious injury. 53. Participant fully understands and agrees that their tour may include the use of hypodermic needles, zappers, tasers, and dog shock collars. Skip to, skip to the next one and read 56. 56? Yeah. Or, yeah. 56. Participant fully understands and agrees that they may be fish hooked, which may inadvertently cause rippage to the mouth area. There's 59. 59's a doozy. Participant fully understands and agrees that if they are selected to visit the dentist, they may have a tooth extracted without Novocaine and will not hold McCamey Manor liable. 61's pretty bad. Participants fully understand and agree that this is possible that joints that th- that it is possible that joints i.e. jaw shoulder elbow wrist knee hip etc may be accidentally dislocated and that the participant will not hold McCamey manor liable and then this is uh, so fucked man yeah 65 participant fully understands and agrees that water torture may be used and uh essentially they they waterboard people frequently that's kind of what that's referring to uh, which, I, which I think was like one of the biggest early a- aspects of contention was that people kind of looked at the waiver and they were just like, you're waterboarding people? Like, that's literal torture. Like, that's considered a war crime to do that in certain in certain contexts. Guests who take the experience range in their reaction. Some, as mentioned before, are so into it that they end up becoming a part of the staff. Some credit it for helping them overcome fears and conquer their own emotions. So this is the... Uh moment you've been waiting for so say hello to all your fans out there hello because i'm telling you right now that most likely she's gonna look completely different by the time we're done with her how long did how long did you last last time how long i went in cool then i got yeah how long did you last before we had to just take you out i don't know i did the short tour you understand me say it loud tell me tell me you understand what i'm telling you no yes what tell me what i just told you christina i live in kuwait so for me to, for myself to travel from Kuwait just to come to McKinney Manor, it's approximately a 19-hour flight. My motivation for doing a second time was, is to see if I can push myself even further than when I went the first time. Big mistake, probably. Change locations right now. Follow me. Wait there. Wait till I get it. Oh, God. I'm, yeah, I'm all right. We're going to sign some waivers. I'm gonna hand you three forms, each one form each. Take this. Don't get it wet. Huh? Yeah, it's it extremely physical, and the participants may very well leave bikini matter with yeah, bugs, bruises, bugs, or other possible injuries, next. including possible broken bones. Participant may very well leave bikini matter with unintentional emotional distress and psychological issues. Participant understands that it is never the intent of MM to cause myself and any type of psychological damage. So when you're begging and screaming for mercy and you want out of McKamey Manor, what do I do? You're not going to let me go. No. Why are you doing this? That's my question. Why would you do this after everything is happening? That's why would you sign this waiver? <sighs> Christina, why would you do this? I don't know. Probably to push my body further than went with the first time. Is this a good idea? Probably not. Fill that out. Get Spencer in there, quiet. Uh, shut up. Get her 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 up. Close that door in. Get her in there. Get her in there. Come in this side, Rachel. Watch out for her neck. Watch out for her neck. Watch out for her neck. God, no, you're not going to do that. Stop complaining. Get in there. 
His what kids are just hanging out inside what while this is all happening. They're just like sitting there watching TV and there's like people screaming in the backyard. But we see our dad watching <laughs> videos on YouTube of it. Why do you think your dad likes it? Because he, uh, likes, he likes to be tortured. And he likes being tortured. Torture is taking somebody's nail off or waterboarding them or whatever i would never do it don't get me wrong you would never see me do this kind of hunt because i have fears that are back there you know i built it around what scares me at the time i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever done yeah and I was just like, like, why did you make me do this, Ryan? Because <laughs> your mind starts playing tricks on you. you like, I remember thinking, like, you know, I really don't even know these people. Like, this is some guy I met on the internet. Like, what if he's legitimately going to kill me? Yeah, they didn't let us stop. There's I don't think that's your mind playing killing. tricks on you. I think that's a very <laughs> rational thought to have. <laughs> they were not Yeah, they didn't, they didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... What's this language? I'm sorry. I would not be surprised. Oh. Hold it in! I'm tired of you out. throwing up in my room. You understand? Get your arms up higher! We've been at every every show since we went through. How do you know to, to draw the line? I don't I don't have a line. If they say they can't go and they can't stand up, I drag them. Put it in the hot tub. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in here. Get in here. Yeah, Christina! Get around with us. Christina, sit up, sit up, sit up, sit up. You are a psychopath for coming here twice. You're a crazy girl, man. <laughs> you realize that, right? Can we get some scissors? Yes. Those knees, huh? Those knees and all the cuts and bruises. I will say, you are a tough chick. Yeah, she is, man, right? <laughs> are you glad that we actually, did we actually hold you against your will? Are you glad that we continued on? I'm glad that you pushed me to go further. Okay. Even though there's times no, I know so I wanted stressed. to quit so bad. Good job, guys. Give a round of applause. Give them all a round of applause. Yeah. Oh, she's not happy now that she's looking at her hair, though. <laughs> nah, dude. So fucking weird. Nah, dude. Like that's, I'm not into this. That the, Like, that's the, like, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're about to get into this. So we're, it's coming up. But there are people who are, like whatever the debate is or whatever, there are people who are just like full into this. Like they want to do this. They do it. They're glad that they did it. And then they like become part of it. Those two dudes that were talking and they were like saying that if someone falls, they drag them or whatever. Like they were, they did it. And a lot of that footage we heard of like guys, that, that, that one clip we saw earlier where the guy was like, I think I died, dude. That was that guy. The guy who thought he like fucking died, he like lost consciousness, and he was like, "I think I died, dude." That was the dude that now works as one of the f actors, and you know, uh, like I said, we're we're gonna cover this a little bit here here in a little bit, but the you know, it seems like there's a very obvious reason for that, right? These people, there's people that are just like they have those like thrill seeking or adrenaline seeking proclivities. They do this thing. They see the opportunity of like, oh, you just like anybody can just do this. And that little seed or spark of like, I like to seek adrenaline 
sort of like grows into a, oh, I think it would be kind of fun if I could like torture people. That's like the next step. That's the next phase. That's the next phase. And then you've got, you've, you've got a, it's almost like grooming in a way, psychological grooming to just like. Yeah. That's what I was thinking maniacs. about when that, when that poor woman was sitting there like shaking with her head shaved, covered in bruises and all those men were like, this is so great. You're wonderful. You did such a great job. Like this is, this is like a worse version of like gaslighting. It's like, it's like a weird group think torture. Like, isn't this fun that you're experiencing all this fucking pain? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not, yeah, and, I'm not into it. Yeah, and these people that clearly have some kind of, you know, this this woman has some kind of reason, some some kind of psychological hang up to why she thinks that she needs to subject herself to this to like quote push herself to some limit or whatever. But yeah, I mean, from my perspective, whatever it is that she feels like she needs to push herself to is not something that she needs to do this to work through. It's something that maybe she needs to go to therapy to talk about. However, some are less than satisfied, claiming that they were abused by Russ McKamey, lied to about what would happen to them, and even assaulted, which is made even worse by the fact that McKamey Manor originally didn't have a safe word at all. Once you entered the manor, aka this dude's suburban tract home, there was literally nothing you could do or say to leave until Russ McKamey decided to let you leave. Only once it was clear to Russ McKamey that you could absolutely not handle another second of the experience or in the case of medical emergencies, like the time that someone had a heart attack during the show, eventually due to increased public scrutiny, McKamey implemented a safe word. However, many have since claimed that Russ McKamey does not honor the safe word and using it ends up being a complete crapshoot for guests. As McKamey Manor got more famous and more extreme, a growing group of people online started criticizing Russ and the experience, saying it was abusive, sadistic, deceitful, and borderline illegal. Specifically, people poured over the waiver and were horrified at some of the things you were agreeing to by signing it. Such as the fact that the authors are authorized to do things like remove your teeth without Novocaine, and the fact that McKamey frees himself from any legal liability if you die during the simulated drowning experiences. The waiver itself was even massively criticized, some pointing out that guests are kidnapped and tortured before being shown the waiver and forced to read and sign it while being bound and beaten up, some suggesting this could constitute coercion. Though it's pretty clear if you actually look into the details that the reading and signing of the waiver on camera is just for show and for the sake of the footage McKamey is shooting, and the guests are well aware of and sign the waiver before ever setting foot on McKamey's property. Also under scrutiny is whether the waiver is even legally binding or not, with many pointing out that it's riddled with typos, such as every instance of the word liable being misspelled as libel, L-I-B-E-L, which would effectively render it null and void. However, McKamey has pointed out that this version of the waiver is old, and they've since had it completely rewritten by McKamey's business partner, who is a paralegal. Despite this, however, a growing list of complaints from former guests and increased scrutiny from online critics started mounting on McKamey by the late 2010s, not long after the release of the Haunters documentary. And despite McKamey's initial excitement with the attention, it didn't bode well for him when he attempted to increase the scope of the experience in San Diego and start transforming it into a commercial venture. His plan was to capitalize off of the new fame to actually start making a profit from McKamey Manor. However, the city of San Diego had other ideas. Based on the newfound backlash to McKamey Manor, Russ McKamey was barred from operating it as a commercial business within the city limits and could only continue on as a non-profit. That's why, in July of 2017, seemingly out of nowhere, Russ McKamey packed his bags and his torture devices and moved to Summertown, Tennessee, where he hoped to expand the brand with more freedom and less vocal scrutiny. Oh, the backlash kept me going. Mm -hmm. I mean, the crazier things get, the more excited I get about it. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, people think, oh, we're going to shut him down now. We got him now, by golly. Just like when, when I moved out of San Diego. They, That's it. He is history. Finally, McKinney Manor is dead. Yeah. And it's like I'm thinking, don't they know who I am? Don't they know <laughs> I'm going to just bounce right back? And don't they know I have a plan? I mean, I, I live for the drama, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so Because it's entertaining it's to me. Yep. Because I know what's real and what's not. And, you know, we, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we have a lot of drama going on right now here in good old Summertown. And that is just so funny to me, the kind of things that they say about what we're doing. It's just so over the top that you couldn't write a better script. Yeah. I mean, I have to thank these individuals, my neighbors, for spinning this, this county up because it's just how fun is that, right? Yeah. It is fun. And that's the same thing how it was in San Diego, too, because we were doing the haunt in San Diego for like 19 years before it got kind of well-known. And it got well-known because of a movie I did. And the movies are all kind of what kind of spurred this whole thing on. I, I, I always filmed everything, but I never actually had the tech, I, I never had the means to make the films. And then when I got my first Mac computer, I go, whoa, look at here, iMovie. I well, let me make a movie or two. And so all these movies are made on the simplest little format. You know, I'm not using anything big. I'm not using any high-end this or that. It's just basic little iMovie. So I made this uh, promo for the Scare LA show in 2015. And that thing's got like, you know, 50 million. His whole brand is Serial Killer Matlock. Serial Killer Matlock with a t-shirt uh, revenge mission. Like, he is just fucking that t-shirt collar up. I may just be a poor country sociopath who gets off on the pure human suffering of innocent people that I have power over, but I don't even know how to use iMovie. However, shortly after moving to Tennessee and after opening up another McCamey Manor location in Alabama, the online criticism had reached a fever pitch. At this point, there was a dedicated community of people who thought that McCamey Manor had to be wiped off the face of the planet. The backlash only heightened. By late 2019, early 2020, in the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, this community of McCamey anti-fans wanted blood. Locals in Tennessee started writing into the city asking for the attraction to be shut down. Controversy even spilled over into the 24-hour news cycle. Is Halloween. Hundreds of haunted houses are open, hoping to entertain and scare. But some people are calling one Tennessee Halloween attraction a quote torture chamber under disguise. Good evening. I'm Josh Rowe. And I'm Kim Chapman. Bliss Eckman explains why thousands have signed a petition to shut down McCamey Manor in Summertown, Tennessee, and why the owners of one local haunted attraction say they don't condone what that attraction is doing. Bliss. Josh Kim, according to its website, McAmy Manor promises an extreme experience that can last up to 10 hours, requires participants to be medically cleared by a doctor and sign a 40 page waiver. Thousands of dollars are offered to anyone who can complete the experience. But the part owner of Dread Hollow, a local haunted house, says he doesn't think McAmy Manor is designed to let anyone make it to the end. Inside Dread Hollow, you see things that make your spine shiver. Um. I have to point out something here that I find, and it, it, this is a good time to talk about the fact that, like, aside from all the stuff we're talking about of, like, the weird creepiness of it and whether or not Russ McCamey is, like, a maniac, um, also, those the people that really hate McCamey Manor think that it's abuse and think that it's awful. 
But then there's separately the haunt community that just really hates McKamey Manor because they're like, this isn't a real haunt. This is this is not an authentic haunt. And they're like really up in arms about it. Like it's like full on gatekeeping. Like this is not an authentic haunt experience. He's a charlatan. And um, <laughs> he's ruining our good haunt names. I don't think they're I don't think they're wrong, but I find it funny how sort of weirdly specifically passionate they are about it um, and how it just it's just the idea of mapping uh, like haunted house enthusiasts over like the level of like pretentiousness of like fine art is just very funny to me. Um, and uh, I, 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 I so McKamey Manor was brought up in some capacity in our Facebook group, in the Deep Cuts Facebook group. And uh, I just ha- I have to call out um, all, all in good fun, all in good love. Uh, but I have to call out one of the listeners uh, because the, I, they did something that I, I laughed out loud at. Um, McKamey Manor was mentioned in the Facebook group. And one of our listeners posted like this long multi-paragraph rant that began with McKamey Manor is not a real haunt. And then they went into this diatribe about how they are do haunts and this whole thing about how McKamey Manor is not a real haunt. And I'm I'm not mocking you. I'm 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 with you. I agree with you. But it's it's still very funny to me that somebody mentioned McKamey Manor in the Facebook group and inevitably like clockwork, there was a haunt person in the group and within 20 minutes there was like a three-page dissertation about how McKamey Manor is not a real haunt. Very funny to me. I love it so much. I just want to take this opportunity to say that uh, I really enjoyed the Todd McFarlane, Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, Greg Capullo character, The Haunt. It was published in the mid-2000s. And every time you say haunt, I just think of that character. Even bigger fan of the reboot that happened around issue 12 or 14 where Joe Casey and Nathan Fox took over, made it this weird art comic, really into it. Then they canceled it around like a 18, 19. The haunt was cool. And now, now he's in that team book, The Scorched, where all the Spawn characters are getting together to fight crime. That's fine. I like that. But also haunt. But he's not a true haunt. He's not an authentic haunt. He's not an authentic haunt. And the cherry on top of everything was the change.org petition. At some point, somebody started a petition demanding McKamey Manor to be shut down in Tennessee and Alabama. Hundreds of thousands of people signed the petition. It more than met its signature goal mere days after it was posted. And despite the fact that the petition has never led to any kind of meaningful action being taken, and the fact that change.org petitions are literally useless and can't really accomplish anything, Every time the petition meets its goal and expires, the author runs a new version and it also meets its signature goal. So let's take a look at this at, at this original, this Ridge Petish. The Ridge Petish. Want to tell us what we're looking at here? 200,000 Siggies. Yeah, I mean, this is a change.org petition. And you know what I say? I say I agree with him. Shut that shit down. That shit's scary. Like, that's the kind of shit that makes a fucking school shooter or a psychopath or mentally break someone that could have been helped by just going to like basic ass therapy i don't think this should happen it's real scary 
McKamey Manor, advertised as an extreme haunt when it is in fact not a haunted house. It's a torture chamber under disguise. Reportedly, they do screening to find the weakest, most easily manipulated people to do the, quote, haunt. It's reported that if Russ just doesn't think you are easily, uh, easily manipulated, you aren't allowed to go. He uses loopholes to get out of being arrested. Previously, not safe were, uh, previously no safe word was allowed. He changed that, but there's been reports that the torture continues even when people repeat their safe word for several minutes. One man was tortured so badly he passed out multiple times. Yeah. And there's just there's a there's many versions of the peti this petition, many signatures. There are a lot of people on the internet that really hate McKamey Manor and just really, really center their their uh, attention around trying to get it shut down. And despite the fact that there are clearly many people who absolutely hate McKamey Manor and think it should be wiped off the face of the earth. And despite many people doubting the validity and legality of the infamous waiver, it still stands to reason that A, everyone who signs up for the experience is well aware of the inherent risks and reputation of Russ and his experience, especially after its surge in fame. And B, it also stands to reason that by the very nature of the fact that McKamey films every single second of every experience, all of the evidence is on tape. For worse. And I'm hoping it's for better because I want this to be a positive, fun experience we never want anything to come out to where you're injured mentally or physically. And that's why I'm so particular about who actually takes the tour. I mean, no other haunt in the world makes you get a letter from your doctor, a letter from a psychologist. We, we do a background check on you. We're going to have you do these pre-interviews. You're going to sign a 40-page waiver. In the waiver, Everybody knows exactly what they're getting into once they sign the waiver. And there's a, a copy of it online. It's old. It's several years old. And it's much more detailed than, than that waiver is. But you're going to know. And, and you, there's no way you can come back and say, you know, Russ, I didn't know that you were going to pull my tooth out. Well, yeah, you did. You signed right here that we can pull your tooth out without Novocaine. I didn't say that. But yeah, you did. So there's some crazy things that can happen. I'm not going to lie to you. But the people that go in know that going in and they're a different kind of a breed i mean they're not like you or me i wouldn't want to go into this thing it's crazy i'll build it and i've tried all the stunts but is it for me it's not for me yeah but there's those adrenaline junkies out there that can't get scared over anything else so they come to mckinney manor and we scare them and we change them and again hopefully it's for the better because our goal is not to hurt you our goal is to entertain you this is entertainment it's right. an illusion. It's fun in games. And it's for a certain kind of crowd, not for everybody. Not for everybody. So in other words, uh, all those... Yeah, you're totally not going to get hurt. You're not going to get hurt. But also, uh, we're going to pull out your teeth with no without Novocaine. I mean, that's that's fucking extreme. Like, and, and it also says they can tattoo you. So, like, they could just, like, tattoo your face and just, like, permanently alter your physical appearance for the rest of your life. Yeah, nah. Fucking Good. bizarre. I'm good, bro. I'm good. However, there is also massive concern about the idea that McKamey Manor is essentially providing an outlet for sadistic people to experiment with torture by capitalizing off of a legal loophole. Concern I'm much more sympathetic to. And uh, here's a segment from um, a video put out by a YouTuber named Rachel Oates, uh, who created, uh, She, you know, she's one of these uh, community of people who are very critical of McKamey Manor, and um, this is from a big video that she made about Russ McKamey. Gary, the way we run the show. They're torturing people, physically hurting them, and there isn't a doctor on hand to help them. 
A lot of the people who now work for McKinley Manor are ex-participants who want to be involved, although I would say their motives are questionable. Take a look at this clip. If there's ever an opportunity where you need an actor or something to come really? try through, give me an opportunity. I will, absolutely, yeah. Well, you know what? Why would you want to act in here? Oh, I love it. Because the thrill of being able to hurt... Well, <laughs> let me rephrase that. The thrill of being able to um, um, do this to other people is it would be awesome. There are also reports of Russ hiring lots of big, strong, muscly guys, ex-military, but there were also allegations of him hiring workers with violent histories and sex offenders. These aren't all, all Boy Scouts. You should see this big giant guy, man. And he was part of like all the skinhead stuff and all that junk, you know? But he told me, he came clean and told me he's been, he was in jail like a whole lot of times. So I'm cool with that. We have the tattooed guy out. He's got a felon too, hitting a cop. So he came clean, told us, you know, and we'll, we'll check it. We'll check the background on it and it'll be fine. And the training that Russ offers his employees, got so many air quotes here, is lacking to say the least. I do want you guys to have really good improv skills. When they throw up, what do you do? You pick up their throw up and you put it back in their face. That's what you do. Or you put it back in their mouth. And what happens? They're going to throw up again. And that sounds gross, right? But it makes for some killer footage. Dear God, what the fuck? Nah, nah, I'm done. We're done. Let's take this thing home. I'm done. And yet we return back to the simple fact that every single participant in McKamey Manor is A, well aware of the attraction's reputation and all of the minutia of its dangers, especially in more recent years with its increased fame. At this point, if you look into McKamey Manor, sign up for it, and somehow don't know all the most controversial elements, such as that all the actors are untrained, some of them have criminal records, they aren't legally liable for your death, and they can do things like tattoo you and pull your teeth, and that the option of using a safe word to end the experience when you want is unreliable, and B, fully undebatably consenting to participating in no uncertain terms. McKamey Manor still operates to this day. The experience has only gotten weirder and more twisted. Its risks and controversies are globally understood at this point, and yet it still has a wait list of nearly 30,000 people. So is this really a public menace that needs to shut down immediately? Russ McCamey, a sadistic abuser operating in legal shades of gray to get his rocks off without going to prison? Or is this just another example of inconvenient consent? So uh, I, I, I want to I talk about this a little bit. Um, and I, I, I mostly I want to hear your thoughts on this. And I think you've kind of vocalized them already. But uh, this, this is kind of where I come down on this. I feel like I, my, my, my thoughts on it are a little complicated. Uh, I, I went into this. I was I was surface aware of McCamey Manor. Like I said, I saw that video years ago. I kind of looked into the controversy like in 2020. A couple of YouTubers made videos about it, which I watched. And I kind of had I kind of had just the general opinion of like, oh, this is a dude who is like a, a like, you know, he's somebody who just like wants to torture people and could potentially be like a serial killer. And he's found this like outlet for it of like doing it in this legal way where it's like a form of entertainment and he gets consent. And I specifically connected it to that German cannibal story where I was like, it's very the concept is very similar. And that's kind of how I thought about it until I sort of as I started digging into the into the research and really looking at the information that was laid out. Um, I guess where I where I land on it is. Everything we've talked about and discussed, I I fully believe 
I think that this is very disturbing. I would never in a million years do this. I think that it's disturbing that he has found this way of found this outlet for torturing people legally. I think that it's disturbing that he sort of identical I uh, identifies and almost grooms people to become part of this experience where he brings out this bloodlust in them, shows them this opportunity to be able to torture people legally and then sort of gets gives them carte blanche to do it. Um, and I think that there's potential dangers uh, in this idea of feeding into these obsessions and these desires and, um, you know, bringing these things out in people when in reality they should probably be going to see like anger management counselors and therapists to work through their aggressions and angers um, instead of wanting to take it out on like other people. Um, and who knows? I'm not, a, I'm not a psych, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert. So I really don't fully know what the, what the implications of that are. But, you know, as a layman, the thing that comes to my mind is just like you give somebody a taste for that. And then they're like, Oh, I really liked that. And then the next thing you know, then they're, looking for they're looking for more and eventually they might start doing it to people who don't consent um but maybe i'm wrong about that i don't know maybe maybe it really is just an outlet and this will prevent them from doing this to people unconsenting i don't really actually know that um i those are all my my opinions on the actual act of it um however i i've i've read through this over and over again i've i read the waiver i've kind of like gone through all the information and i I can't help but kind of land back on the same thing, which is I find this personally disturbing. I would never in a million years do it. And I don't particularly think that it's probably the best thing to happen in the world. But these people are all actively wanting to do this. They're consenting to it. They want it to happen. And for the most part, when they do it, they like they like it and they are glad that they did it. Um, and I, I, I can't really I guess I, I guess I ultimately I just I don't really understand what the whole movement of trying to get it shut down is i think the the point of trying to get it shut down right is that he's like grooming people he's preying on the weakest of the weak that apply right he's strategically looking for people that aren't capable or are in precarious situations or have mental issues that they're obviously trying to get over but they they feel that therapy isn't the right path for them for whatever reason and he's exploiting that right yeah i i i agree and i would i would i would be much more of the opinion that that makes it something that should be shut down if they were younger people teenagers kids but the fact that they are all required to be over 21 but if you watch these videos like they're all they're all in their 30s or older they're people in their 30s or 40s um, yeah, I, I guess I, I just I keep spinning it around in my head as I was doing this research and I just keep landing back on this idea of like, I don't like this at all, but everybody involved in it is consenting and they're all adults. So I really I, 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 I think you can be critical of it and say all these things that we're saying, but I, I kind of just can't. I there's a the, like like the uh, the, t the act title is. I really hate taking this almost libertarian position on this because that's not that's not what I set out to do, and it's not a look that I'm uh, not a, not a look that I'm I'm looking to have. You know, no 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 hate to 
libertarian listeners, although we've definitely made fun of libertarians in this show quite a bit. Um, but uh, that's just not not a look I was I was looking to 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 to, to dawn. But I just keep coming back to like, what are you going to do? They're all into it. It's a little hard for me to parse it as well, because but but from the reverse side of like, yeah, everybody's said that they've they're into it going in. But also how many of those people that after they've come out the other side are how many of those people possess the strength of character or personal fortitude to stand up and say that was not okay when we we all know that they're specifically looking for people that won't do that. So it's a little hard to because to me, this isn't like a, oh, we shouldn't sell supersized sodas at 7-Eleven because it gives people too much sugar and increased chance of diabetes or whatever. It's not one of those scenarios because it's not you say that it is everybody actively making that choice for themselves, but is it really like it kind of feels like it's like, you know, how many of those 30,000 people signed up because it was a joke, right? They're like, we're going to go in and <laughs> but they have no plan of doing it right. I don't know. And then how many of those people really do want to do it, but they're genuinely disturbed individuals and he weeds those out, right? So then how many of the percentage of a percentage of a percentage are people who are kind of looking to prove to themselves that they're not meek, I guess? I don't I don't know. I don't and know. I, I think that I think that there are a good amount of them that are exactly that. I mean, that that woman, Christina, in that video we just watched, I think that's exactly what it is. She seems like a she seems like a person who's just has a chip on her shoulder that she wants to prove to the world that she's not like timid and a weakling um and i and i i I fully agree that to a certain degree that is manipulation and like i said i i I classify it almost as grooming um yeah i think that's the thing for me i think that's the distinction like if it was if all of thirty thousand of those people were allowed in i kind of would feel the same way as you where i'd kind of just be like well all the people are doing it and a certain percentage of them are going to have negative experiences in a certain percentage of them are going to have positive but the fact that it's like taking that 30,000 and choosing the most vulnerable and the weakest and the the ones who are as psychologically groomable damageable and then exploiting them I don't know man it just feels it feels wrong on a way that's not just like eh whatever like there's I mean it's so weird to say this but like I kind of don't really have an issue if somebody wants to die and they want to be eaten like all right you know, like the cannibal thing is actually a little bit more comprehensible to me. Like I would I would actively campaign against the individual. I would try and convince that individual, hey, man, life's worth living. Are you sure you want to be eaten? I really don't think you should do that yet. You know, give it another day. Think about it. Sleep on it. Life can change in an instant. Like I kind of don't necessarily have as much of an issue with that type of extreme, you know, like the Kevorkian assisted suicide or people who just they just want to die. Like, you know, I, I know people who've attempted suicide. I know people who committed suicide. And like, I wish that they hadn't. I wish that they hadn't. But that was the choice that they made. And that was what they thought was right in that moment. I wish that they hadn't. But with this, I don't know. It just feels different because there's an individual cherry picking the data. You know, it's not a clean data set. It's it's somebody orchestrating a situation to prey on people and that's what it that's why it feels different to me I, maybe i'm wrong i don't i don't know 
Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think you're wrong, and I, 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 I agree with you, and I think that uh, that, that that's absolutely what's happening. Um, in a in a in a conceptual way, it is it's manipulative, and I mean, we 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 repeated it multiple times throughout the episode that he's just clearly like a sadistic person. The, thing that I, the, th- the other thing that I'm really curious about is like his kids. All right, you're young enough, you don't really get it, and by the time you grow up, you you know, you're kind of like, "Well, this is my dad. I've known him my entire life. This is what he does. He's I, this is what he does. I don't know." But can you imagine being that guy's wife? Like what is what is that like? Like how do you is that a scenario where you fall in love with someone and then you slowly start figuring out who they are and then you're in too deep and you've been in a relationship with them for 10 years and you have three kids and you're like, "You're torturing people." And then at a certain point, you just kind of buy his Stan Lee routine of the like huckster, and you're just like, yeah, they just want it. It's not like anybody gets hurt. I mean, yeah, sure, they pull out people's teeth with without any novocaine and tattooed dumbass shit on their face, but like they're not doing anything wrong. Like, how does I, I'm so curious. I wish that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that either you know, in a situation like that with a spouse, like either they're just also fucking insane, or it's exactly what you're saying, where they just kind of like gaslight themselves. Like they're getting gaslit by the person and then they and then they eventually gaslight themselves. I mean, there was I, I don't know if you saw this, but this thing blew up uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I, I saw it on TikTok, but there was some show where the premise of it's a reality show. And the premise of the show is adults who adopt adults. And there was an episode that was just being talked about on TikTok because of just how shocking and gross it was. But is this married couple, this man and this woman, and the guy wants to adopt a daughter, an adult daughter, and he's sort of like presenting it like he just wants to have a daughter because like he just he just wants an adult daughter. Like he's just like but it's very clear to everybody that he's like a a creep and he just wants to like adopt like a weird sex slave, basically. And there's even a thing where like they were going to adopt this different daughter, but he decided to to go. He decided to not do it because he said he developed a physical attraction to her. And so he's like, I don't want to be tempted to, you know, have sex with my daughter. So we can't adopt her. And then they adopt a different daughter. But then he still makes sexual references to her. And the wife is just like doing exactly what you're saying. She's just like, I don't know. He just told me this and. What are you going to do? And she's clearly just like, she's clearly in hell. Like, she's clearly just so upset and like gaslit and traumatized by this. But it's just been so normalized to her at this point that she just goes along with it. But she's she's in hell. She's like in a living nightmare where she's married to like a, a literal groomer pervert and just rationalizing it to herself in like forever. And I, th- I think that's probably the same thing with this as well. Yeah, man, this is all just really. This is like maybe the darkest of cuts. Uh, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you with everything. I, I think I just I keep I keep going back from a legal perspective to like what do you like what is there what is there to shut down? Like they're all they they're all technically consenting to it. They're all adults. Um, there are the at the the accusations of some of the things that I think would actually be illegal if they were true. Um, and they might be true. I'm not doubting that. Um, accusations of assault that's gone on and not honoring safe words and things like that um if those things are true then i say yeah sure those are those those are illegal and that's fucked up and if there's this many sort of like safety hazards and 
betrayals of trust and contracts going on, then 100% it should be shut down. Um, but but on its face, the concept of it, I just I I just can't I can't get the sort of logic out of my mind that you know everyone says like oh they're pulling people's teeth out and it's like yeah but it's in the waiver people know that they're pulling people's teeth out when they sign up for it they want to have their teeth pulled out yeah but that's the weird thing though it's not exactly that it's not sign this waiver because we are going to pull your teeth out it's sign this waiver and we might pull a tooth out so it's this weird like gray area on both sides where like he can say well we we said we might but also when you're going in you're like yeah but they're not going to they're not going to take it that far yeah, I mean, there's still I, for, I, I would never, I would never walk into a room where they said maybe somebody will take your teeth out. Yeah, but, I wouldn't but, uh, either. Yeah. I wouldn't either. But like, look at the people we're talking about, right? Like, we're talking about like adrenaline junkies or thrill seekers or people who want to be want to have experienced simulated death. Well, I uh, the only thing I know for sure is that Russ McCamey creeps me the fuck out, and he's one of he's 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 a kayfabe larger than life persona in a way that i just do not like and it's not not fun to me at all hard agree i'm dave baker and i'm spandrew spice this has been deep cuts thank god this is over i'm gonna go cry in a corner now if you'd like to find me online you can do so at heydavebaker.com spandrew where can people find you on the internet well god damn it spandrew i think you know uh but if you want to find me on social media you can't find me on social media because i don't use social media but if you want to pay your respects to Papa Pricey in his honor, go to HeyDaveBaker.com and pick up issue one of Halloween Boy. It's what Andrew would have wanted. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group where we talk about the show and make memes. Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. You can join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, and discuss other things. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can go to our website, deepcutspod.com, click on the shop. You can get t-shirts and hats with cool Deep Cuts logos and graphics on them. You can also get the Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth uh, shoulder patch by going to deepcutspod.com. And uh, there's a couple of the simple code tape comics left. Literally just the last like two or three of them are left. If you order now, you might be able to get one. And then there's probably going to never be any more of these unless there's some significant demand for more. And for anybody who has ordered them in the last couple of months, I am here. I'm back in the Mystery Treehouse and I'm going to be shipping those off ASAP. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by D. Catalano, whose music can be found at wekeepoddhours.bandcamp.com.